From the studio in Sun City, Arizona Boomer Radio presents Wealth DNA with Ron the Ronald Naraki. Wealth DNA gives you insights and methods for increasing your net worth. Ron's experience dealing with local and international markets give him insights that can be valuable to any investor. Now here's the host of the show, Ron Naraki. Hello and welcome to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. We're honored that you're joining us today for a very timely topic. And let me share our humble apologies for the technical problem that caused us to cancel our last show. We really did try for even several minutes after the show start time. Both uh, our guest and I were able to, to connect together, but we couldn't get our listeners and the uh, studio all to hook up. So anyway, it was a challenge. We will have built... Bill Clark, the CEO of MicroVentures, back with us in January is our plan, February at latest. We've got to firm all that up. Now, whether you're in Arizona where I am and you're sipping a cup of coffee, the U.S. Eastern time zone where our guest is and you're thinking about a lunch break after the show, you're in Europe ending your workday, you're somewhere in between, or you're listening to the archive, I know you'll be glad you joined us for this hour. Now, if you listen to the archive in 2016 or later, or you pay taxes in other countries, other jurisdictions, the vast majority of concepts we talk about will apply. You just need to adjust for the differences in tax code. Now, on the Wealth DNA Radio Show, we focus on the fundamentals of investing and providing great ideas for building and protecting your wealth. Today, we'll focus on keeping more of what you earn by better managing your taxes. And... As soon as I mention taxes, I need to remind you of the four key things that I mention from time to time on this show, or our guests do, and you can quote me on each of these. First, Ben Franklin said, a penny saved is a penny earned. That, my friends, is no longer true. What's different is income taxes. You see, now versus when he wrote it, a penny saved is worth more since a penny earned is subject to income tax. Now, taxes are not one of the guarantees of life, and this is the one that most people get wrong. At least 47% of U.S. taxpayers, and I'm sure there is a somewhat similar, maybe a little bit lower in other countries, do not pay any income tax. And you don't have to either, if you're willing to do without the finer things in life. Now, paying taxes is good. It means you're making money. But paying more than necessary is not good. And fourthly, it's not what you earn. It's what you get to keep. That's kind of the theme of our show, isn't it? While I'm at it, I might as well give you an idea of what we will will cover or plan to cover. Hopefully we'll cover uh, most of it at least. We're going to have a lot to, uh, to share with you. What to do in the next few weeks or months if you, first of all, had more income this year than you planned, or secondly, you had fewer deductions this year than usual. Third, you've had unusually low income this year, and let me share a hint. It's not the time to feel good and say, oh, good, I'll have lower, no taxes. It's actually an opportunity to plan to lower your tax rate for the next year or future years. Then, depending on how much we can cover, if you run a company and you're looking for ways to lower your tax bill, and that's often the case, or if you recently started a business or had a bad tax year and have had far more expenses than income, you may want to pay some of next year's taxes. We'll try to touch on some of that as well. Again, time allowing. 
Today is Monday, December 14th, 2015. We're nearing the end of the year. Isn't that a shame? It is 9.04 a.m. in Arizona, 11.04 a.m. in the U.S. Eastern Time Zone, where our guest is. It's the only day ever like it, so we'll do everything possible to make it a great one. You're listening to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. show airs every second and fourth Monday at 9 a.m. in Arizona. Now, if you didn't receive a reminder of the show or you don't uh, get them on a regular basis, you should connect with us on Twitter or Facebook where we post reminders. Just connect with The Ronald, all one word. Or um, also you can, of course, send us an email. We'll talk about that later. We'd like to thank our sponsor today, BI Solutions Corp., a residential real estate fund in the Phoenix, Scottsdale area, for helping us put together and share this information with you. Now, I certainly hope you can join us each time we air, but if you miss a show, like prior ones on taxes or the shows we've had with great guests from the American College, you can find them in the archive. Just go to wealthdna.us. We list each of the shows, both upcoming and archived. And I just realized I saw the uh, chat window before, so I'm going to mention that here secondly, and I don't see it at the moment, but I'm sure it's coming. Yep, there it is. Okay, so i got to have that in front of me in case you send me a, a comment. And uh, on that note, we uh, welcome your questions and comments during the show. Because we have so much to cover, I, welcome, I, wrote, yeah, I suggest using the chat window I just mentioned. It's right below the radio player. Just scroll down a little bit, and you'll see live chat. Or you can call in, our, and our producer will share your question or comment with us. That call-in number is at the top of the screen, but it is 917-388-4162. Since our last show, the U.S. equity markets are down about 4%, and half of that was on Friday. We're off to a negative start in the U.S. Uh, today. Asia was, uh, here's a new term for me, I haven't had this situation, it was wildly mixed. And um, someday I'll explain that phrase, but it was all over the map. Europe, which closes shortly, is down, and Brazil is down as well. Now, if you paid attention to the subtle tips during the last few shows, you probably sold some equities two to f maybe six weeks ago, like I did, and now you're buying some back. And more importantly, it creates another opportunity for some tax planning. And that's our topic, of course. Our guest today to discuss year-end tax planning is Jocelyn Wright, an MBA, CFP, and, a direct, and the director, not a director, but the director of the Center for Women and Financial Services at the American College of Financial Services. She's also assistant professor for women's studies there. Now, in addition to her role at the college, Jocelyn is also the founder and managing partner of the Ascension Group. We'll talk a little bit about that. Where as an advisor, she works with her clients to design a personalized strategy to help them reach their financial goals. Now, despite her young age, and you'll see a picture, of course, on our uh, on our uh, website on the show itself, uh, Jocelyn has nearly 20 years of financial services experience. Uh, I'm not sure I trust her on the full 20 years, given her, her looks. But anyway, she has been affiliated with, uh, and this, I guess, gives it the credence, with a number of independent financial ser service firms, as well as companies. And I've heard of these, J.P. Morgan Chase, Nomura Securities, and most impressive, and this is the real big one, she hosted a weekly radio show called The Bottom Line. Now, a great name, I would say, bottom line. It's not what you earn. It's what you get to keep. Let's give a warm radio welcome to Jocelyn Wright. Welcome, Jocelyn. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning, and thank you. It's certainly my pleasure to be with you. Now, I gave a brief overview of your background. How do you introduce yourself at a cocktail party? Well, I, it's one, I want to thank you for the wonderful introduction and certainly uh, the piece about my young appearance. So <laughs> I thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
Um, well, at a cocktail party, I like to call myself, as we say um, now with my position at the college, mm-hmm. um, at a professor CFP, so a CF, mm-hmm. an assist, a professor CFP. And um, our college president, Bob Johnson, likes, uh, to, likes the term a pracademic. So not only am I a, an academic, but uh, importantly to me, I uh, am a practitioner as well. So I get to enjoy both worlds uh, in working with clients as well as in the position of working with students here at the American College. So uh, I I'm, have a pretty cut awesome uh, jobs, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> All right, now you are a professor of uh, women's studies there, but does that mean uh, our our men listeners can uh, can tune in and still learn something? Absolutely. Of course, the opportunities that are available in our industry uh, in terms of the women mark of the women's market are open to men and women alike. And so the more men, the merrier because it's very important that um because men are the majority of the financial advisors in the industry, that they understand some of the nuances uh, that it takes to work effectively with women. So, yes, men are, are certainly welcome to participate. Excellent. Okay. Now, it, there's a chance that some of our newer listeners haven't heard any of the shows with uh, guests from the American College. You mentioned one of them. Uh, Bob Johnson was on uh, talking about what happens when Fed interest rates are start rising, and I think that his book is going to become very popular in the near future uh, if it hasn't already. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the college, just uh, for those purposes, uh, for for those folks that uh, that don't know about it. Sure. Well, the American College for Financial Services, which is the formal name, uh, has been around since uh, mid-1920, so 1927 uh, to be exact, and we are a, and a fully credited university. And uh, our mission, as we uh, like to say, is to raise the level of professionalism in our industry and promoting education, of course, ethical practices, and the pursuit of new knowledge for the benefit of our society. So uh, we educate a good number of the financial services professional in the industry, and it's something that uh, we're certainly proud of. We have a number of degree programs, and we also two master's degree programs and a Ph.D. in retirement income planning, which we're very proud of, and as well as a number of certifications that are known industry-wide. The, the CLU, um, as well as the CHFC, we're also a, a designated provider for the CFP program, and our newest and most popular designation, the Retirement Income Certified Professional, the RICP designation. So uh, we have a lot going on, and uh, we want to continue to educate and, as our mission says, increase the level of professionalism and knowledge in our industry because it's important uh, not only from an advisor standpoint but also in serving the growing number of clients that we'll be working with. Well said, and I do want to clarify for some of our listeners that I was not around when the college was originally formed, so I uh, <laughs> just want to make sure that that is clear. Now, if I was a new client of yours meeting with you today, and we're, we're going to talk about personal tax planning, what time horizon would we be focusing on? Would we be focusing on 2015? Would we be talking about 16? What, what, you know, what, what horizon would we look at? Sure. Well, although we're just a few weeks out from the end of 2015, it's not too late to do some year-end planning. So we would certainly be looking at 2015 with our eye on 2016. 
so uh, I'd like to say we're, we'll be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. It would have been nice if we had an opportunity to do some year-end planning earlier, but uh, it's not too late. We can still get some things done. Good point. And that reminds me, we really should do something um, in the in the first quarter or something on, on uh, tax planning, uh, you know, focused uh, looking forward as opposed to kind of in this uh, last last few minutes. So that's that's a good point. We need to, to really do a little bit of each. But hopefully this is a reminder that uh, whatever we're doing for 2015, we need to start thinking about doing for 2016 for each of our, our listeners. Now, I know from my experience that a lot still can be done in this last few weeks and, and even few months. So would you share some uh, some of those tips with our listeners uh, today? Would that be okay with you? Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. Well, Excellent. there are a number of things um, that can be done, and we can just talk about a few of them. Uh, one, it is, you know, certainly de- deferring your income. So if, there, if you're in a position where you think that um, you would need to offset some income, say you have a, a large bonus coming up, if your employer will allow the ability to take that in 2016 versus before the end of 2015 will help to keep your taxes down. Um, also, deferring um, or, let's say, bundling some of your deductions. So if you are looking to make a charitable contribution to please do so before the end of the year. It would not only help you from a tax standpoint, but it also will uh, give you some feel-good points as well to be giving to uh, wonderful organizations that are in need of the financial support. Mm-hmm. All right. Be able to, you know what? Let me let me interrupt you. And what we'll do is we'll go through these in a little bit. We'll we'll break them down and go through a few few more detail. But one of the things I, I guess I really should do is to say to ask the question: You are a CFP, which I mentioned, uh, but you're not a CPA, and you're not going to offer during this show to prepare our taxes and file our taxes. Correct. Correct. So I uh, like to to stay in my lane, so to speak. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. although I do, uh, as a financial planner, we do tax planning with our clients, I personally do not uh, do the return. So I I appreciate the disclaimer that I am not a CFP nor an attorney. So, uh, and it's very difficult. Right, I'm not a CPA. Or CPA. Right, not a CPA. Correct, uh, but uh, you know, if if somebody does need that help, uh, do you have some some ideas on what they might be able to do if they like some of the things they're hearing today? Sure. Well, at my firm, we actually do uh, prepare taxes for our clients. I am just not mm-hmm. the individual that does it. So uh, I do have a business partner that's responsible for that aspect of the business, and so uh, we are able to provide tax services for clients. Okay, and that is the Ascension Group, not to be confused with your your role at the the American College. So just to make correct, sure. yes, exactly and I can give you. that contact information as well at some point. Okay, now and and, and then also before we dig into the details, uh, if you're going to help me, uh, as we kind of use in this scenario of uh, in my current year's tax bill, what key information do you need from me for us to get that conversation started? Sure. Well, I would want to know what's your your tax status, meaning are you are you filing single, uh, mm-hmm. joint, head of household? So that's going to make a difference in terms of what your uh, tax liability would be, uh, what your estimated income is so far year to date, and that's something. If you are a, a W two employee, we could just mm-hmm. you know take a look at take your look. last pay stub 
to see what the income has been. Now, if you are someone who is self-employed, uh, although people who work on commission are self-employed as well, but where you sure. might be getting 1099s, and that's going to be a little more a little more information that we'll have to gather. So get an mm-hmm. estimate of what your year-to-date earnings are. Uh, and then if you have itemized in the past, if we think that those deductions will be about the same, we'll use that as an estimate. So if you're either taking a standard deduction or an itemized deduction are things that we're going to need to know to begin to help to get it an estimate of where where you are from a tax standpoint. And there are a number of other things too, um, other expenses that you might have. If they're unusually high for the year, we'll want to know that. Otherwise, we would have to go off of what your returns were for the previous year. Okay, and with that, I just as you didn't mention one of our groups of <clears throat> listeners that might consider themselves retired. I would consider them in the self-employed category because besides, you know, they might be getting Social Security, they might not, uh, but nonetheless, they are generating income of some sort with their investments. And therefore, uh, they're also in that category of not having a W-2, and would have to provide pretty much the same as a self-employed. So let me let me let me just make sure we expand the retirees into that self-employed category. And uh, you agree with me on that one, first of yes, all? Yes, that's a good point. Yes, because okay, yeah. you, you do have to account for that income, and uh, depending on what your other income has been, that may be taxable as well. So you have to have to file a proper return. Well, and if we work properly for each of our listeners and providing them good information, they all have a tax problem. They all have plenty to pay on. So, uh, and they are probably, uh, you know, being double taxed because the uh, Social Security is kicking in. And we will be, uh, for our listeners' purposes, we will be doing another show on Social Security. There have been some recent changes, and that's been one of our most popular shows, <laughs> despite the technical right. problems. It was kind of a fun show. It was uh, we were on and off again, but <laughs> it was uh, it was it was a, a great show, and there's so much on Social Security. Most people just think, you know, well, I make a decision when to file. So anyway, we will talk about that for our uh, retired or coming up retirees uh, in, in the near future. So I don't want them to think That's that we have good. to cover that all today. But before we dig into the specifics, but I really do want to dig into to quite a bit of detail on different tax situations that I, and again, I'll use it as if it's me, but um, share with our listeners how they'd contact you, learn more about you, and learn more about the American College as well. Sure. I can be reached at uh, the American College. My email is jocelyn, J-O-C-E-L-Y-N, dot right, and that's right with a W, w. at theamericancollege.edu. Correct. I keep freaking, you know, I was thinking, I, of course, I have it in my email addresses, but the dot E-D-U, you know, I've got to get yes, back into that. Yes, we are an educational arena. institution, <laughs> so not okay. .com. And, Correct. Yeah, and important on that is the American College. There is a T-H-E in front of that, just to make sure, just like on the Ronald. Um, how about in yes. terms of a website? Is there a website for you for the Ascension Group as well, so that if they do want to uh, do a little bit more on the tax planning uh, or on the uh, actual tax filing information, is there a website for the Ascension Group as well? Sure. The website for uh, my firm is ascensionwealth.com. Ascension Wealth. Okay. And that's A-S-C-E-N-S-I-O-N. Cool. All right. And that one is .com. It's not dot. That is .com, yes. <laughs> All right, good. I just you know, little little details like that will really cause an email not to go through. How do I know? 
But let me take pause here and remind our listeners you're tuned to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. I look forward to you joining us every second and fourth Monday. Now, if you missed some prior shows like the one on taxes we've done, and oh, I think we did one around this time last year, if you want to re-listen to them, we maintain an archive of shows on WealthDNA.us. We also had a wealth of shows, using that term properly here, uh, with uh, prior guests from the American College. And I mentioned one uh, of, of Bob Johnson's talking about the Feds and his book on what happens as Feds change rates. If you'd like to get an email reminder of the shows, send an email to me, Ron, at WealthDNA.us. US, WealthDNA.us will keep you posted about future shows and events. Or you can follow The Ronald, all one word, no spaces, on Twitter or Facebook. Now, during the show, we welcome you, our listeners, to ask questions. And I do uh, periodically glance up at the chat window. I get so involved in our topics sometimes. And that is the easiest place. Start a chat in the area below the radio player or call in 917-388-4162. That's also shown at the top of the screen. Now, for in case you just tuned in, our topic is year-end tax planning. We're discussing with Jocelyn Wright, Professor Jocelyn Wright, to be uh, to be accurate. I should be a little bit more formal sometimes on the shows, but you know, December you kind of slack off a little bit. She is an MBA, CFP, and professor of uh, women's studies at the American College of Financial Services. She's also the founder and managing partner of the Ascension Group. And Jocelyn, how can I estimate? Uh, if I want to do an estimate before we talk of, uh, or we don't get a chance to talk about it, how do I estimate tax liability for this given year? What's the, what are some uh, ways that that's done? Well, of course, with um, the Internet and a lot of online calculators that are available, the IRS has a, um, you can go to their website and do an estimate as well, but there are a number of other online calculators if you don't want to do, I would say, the, the old-fashioned pen and paper, um, mm-hmm. you know, do your estimates online with some of the calculators that are available just to be able to give you a good sense of have you paid enough or might you have to uh, do an ex- estimated tax payment or contribute a little more uh, so that you're not hit with any um, underpayment penalty for not paying enough in taxes throughout the year. Okay, didn't didn't realize there were some online calculators, and I guess the other the other might be if somebody does use TurboTax or any of the even if they just use it for kind of getting their preliminary stuff. I guess you could pick up a copy, and these days you can download it, so you could get that pretty quickly, and by tomorrow you could get started. Uh, right, and many it, of them are very detailed. Well, it will ask you to put in a number of expenses that you have, all of your forms of income from uh, 1099 W2 interest income so it can you know it would get very close to where you would need to be so it's not just a, a general income it, it breaks down all of the various categories for you very well mm-hmm. and i guess the good news is then that you've already got kind of a preliminary that you can then just get the updated figures and, and, and go through that uh, later right and you can uh, download and print a report and have a, a paper copy for yourself as well as if you're working with a tax preparer for your tax preparer as well Mm-hmm. Now, in my case, I've got lots of varied investments, a large number of income and expenses coming from an investment in a corporation that issues a K-1, and I've got other K-1s that come, a lot of them you know, less impactful. Uh, are there some shortcuts I can take to prepare that estimate? Because mine's, mine, I have to admit, my process is about a month and a half to gather the various documents, uh, whether I do them electronically or just you know, gather documents in a, in a, a truck and uh, ship them over to somebody. Uh, you know, what are some shortcuts I can use? Now, with are these uh, businesses that where you are the only 
person in the business, or do you have partners no. or other? Oh people? no, there's these are these are there's a corporate. For example, the one where a lot of mine is is a corporation. I am a uh, a significant shareholder in that corporation, so I know what's going on in that okay. company. Uh, and I think that's going to be the case with a lot of our listeners, and that's why I want to bring that up. So. Uh, in, in, in that case, uh, would I have to, in essence, do a preliminary for the company uh, to get an idea of how that's going to, you know, what the K-1 might look like and get that out to some of the shareholders? Sure. Well, you can, again, if you wanted to, you can look at what, if there hasn't been a major change from the previous year, you can use that as a starting point. Uh, but to the extent that you can, you do want to have accurate information because you don't want to be in a position where you're going to have to file amended returns once you get the final K-1. And for many people who do have a lot of K income that they're using K-1s and have to get that, you're either, you know, filing toward the end of closer to the deadline, or in many cases, you may be filing an extension just to make sure that you have all of the proper documentation that you need in order to get the, the correct numbers um, available when you're doing your return. Yeah, in my case, it's not if you do an extension. It's, uh, you know, do I get it done Certainly before the end of the extension? That's a whole other And, you know, that's part of the dilemma, and I think a lot of our listeners may have, uh, maybe not as extreme, but, you know, similar, where you're really filing your taxes June, July, you know, maybe even October, uh, as, as in my case, and you're so far from where we are today that you feel like, oh, my God, I wish I would have done this, you know, uh, eight months ago, nine months ago, ten months ago. I mean, it's, it's, it's huge, and that's why I want to get people thinking about this. But I, I Sounds like in a closely hold, held company, and, and, and often that's the case with, with uh, obviously wealthy individuals and many of our listeners, uh, in that case maybe getting some insight from the company's books as to what's going to be different. Uh, if it is going to be a typical year, if there were some big jumps or changes, what are those significant changes, might be something that would be a good practice to develop uh, in future years so that uh, maybe mid-December something that is given out to the various shareholders or members depending on the structure of the company, right? No, that's a great idea. And really with with all of the tax planning, one of the, the key words that I like to emphasize being a financial planner is the planning aspect. So the more organized you are, the better it is. So whether you're doing your return in February or in September or October, because you've been organized throughout the year, you're not operating in this um, you know, cloud of well, what happened last January or last March. So you're, you're able to just, because you have good records, can go back and uh, do an accurate assessment and make sure that you haven't missed anything. That's uh, really the key point and something that I've had to learn personally myself um, as a business <laughs> owner, right. too. You know, I'm in your category, typically That's filing right. Right. an extension and, you know, trying to figure out what was what. But if you get, um, you know, dinged a couple of times, that's a good <laughs> good way to, to keep yourself in line. You learn the lesson pretty quickly. Yeah, no, well said. You know, I got I, I went off a little bit topic here, and I apologize for folks because I'm kind of talking a little bit about company taxes. So I guess make sure we, we, we definitely are talking about company taxes. So that's the good news. But, you know, one thing I'm, I'm remiss because you and I are so familiar with it. You should probably explain for our listeners what is a K-1, in what cases is a K-1 generated, and how is it different than uh, any other tax document that we get? Sure. Um, well, the K-1 is uh, the tax, that's the equivalent of um, a, a 1040 that uh, an individual would file for their return, and that's for corporations. 
um, when there are um, other a number of individuals who are shareholders, each person is given a K-1 to account for their particular percentage of ownership and uh, their stake in the business. And you're going to need that to go along with any other uh, tax forms that you might have if you are a W-2 employee or, um, you know, even if you have 1099 income as well, you're going to need all of those documents together in order to complete your tax return. Right. And because of the corporation has to generate that before you can start really, you know, finalizing your taxes or, you know. They, right. You that, need that information to go on right. your form. And, you know, a lot of, of course, uh, people that aren't familiar with that process assume, well, why can't you send that out by January 15th? But the <laughs> closing a company's books isn't so simple, especially when the company is actively running and lots of lots of things going on in the tight, tight group. So a little bit of uh, slack for the uh, for the companies that, that issues those. I want to make sure that our listeners are aware it's not an easy process for the company to finish their taxes even by March 15th, and that's that's kind of their deadline, even though they can revise it. Uh, that is the deadline, and therefore, uh, if, you, if you are subject to getting a lot of your income from there, you're looking at April at earliest. So anyway, back to... Right. And I while guess back many to, do, they mm-hmm. try their best to get it to you as sure. early as possible. Circumstances may not allow them to be able to get everything together for you uh, at that time. So. Correct, and, and and that's that's well said. I mean, it's just uh, I think that's the thing is we all have to understand there's somebody else that's going through this before you know you're doing your personal tax. Okay, let's get back to our, our main track here. Uh, let's let's go back to my tax situation. I'm using it as if it were, were were mine or any of our listeners. Uh, let's say my income this year rose slightly, so no big deal. But my deductible expenses are far lower than this year than I'm estimating. What are some of the top things you think of? that I should be considering, and you touched on kind of a general category of uh, shifting income, uh, how might, might I do that? So I'm an individual, and, um, you know, I've got, I've got income. Would I be talking then to my uh, clients if it happens to be, uh, you know, an individual company, or to my employer to possibly move some of that income and, and treat it as next year's? If that's possible to do. So as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, if you were expecting a, a bonus or even a commission to be able, mm-hmm. if you're able to get that move to where it's paid out in January, that could be helpful to you. Again, it, it, depending on the amount, it may even push you into a higher bracket. Uh, mm-hmm. So you want to be mindful of that if you're able to defer that. Um, and some companies may be able to do that for you. The, uh, but it's it's worth asking, certainly, uh, to uh, be able to minimize some of the, the tax liability. It's certainly worth having a conversation with your employer to do that. You definitely won't get it if you don't ask, that's for sure. That's uh, a guaranteed about, no if you don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> what are Any other thoughts on how I may be able to shift income? I mean, for most individuals, I think that's probably the only way that I, at least I can think of. Are there any other um, income-shifting categories before we talk about, you know, kind of the cost side of it? Well, that's certainly the main one. Now, um, looking at if you're making sure then if you think your deductions are lower than normal, just really Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. back to review to make sure you've captured everything because some people may leave some money on the table. So uh, you want to go through and, you know, verify that if you are able to itemize that you have everything included. So if there are uh, home office expenses that you may be able to deduct, 
to deduct because that's something that is often often overlooked because people mm -hmm. are just unsure of if they qualify or not. So for from a, a planning standpoint, we know that we can't avoid taxes, but we want our clients to only pay what they have to, nothing more. So that's why it's important uh, with being organized to make sure that you're keeping track of all of your expenses. And, um, you know, there may be contributions that you've, charitable contributions that you've made uh, that add up. So there may be small mm -hmm. amounts over the year, and you may not think of a 50 or $100 contribution because you just did it one time, but you've done it, you know, several mm -hmm. times, many times throughout the year, and those things add up. So you sure. want to uh, have all of that available and, of course, having the, the documentation to offset any deductions that you've made. Um, perhaps if you've moved uh, for a new job, you're able mm -hmm. to okay. deduct those moving expenses if it was more than 50 miles. Mm -hmm. uh, if you, because some people still are, if you're searching for a new job, um, that, it, again, some of those expenses may be deductible uh, to you as well. And um, putting money in your retirement account, that's always a good thing. So if you're able to, uh, although we're only in the last couple of weeks of the year, so in your 401k or your employer-provided plan, if you're able to contribute the maximum there or get some more in prior to the end of the year, certainly do that. Uh, in addition to IRA contributions, if you can make those, um, you have time to do that, and, and you don't even have to do that by the end of December, but, you know, that's another opportunity for you to bring down some of your, your taxable income. Okay, so employer, one, employer uh, we would have to do it. So there would be a, another example where you talk to your uh, uh, whoever's doing the uh, the uh, HR aspects or the the uh, wage uh, portion to say, hey, can I you know throw an extra thousand from this paycheck or something? Re you know, change my allocation temporarily and then maybe change it back in you know later in January, February. Uh, again, you know, smaller companies are going to be pretty flexible on that. And actually, some of the large companies are no big deal because they've also got the system. You can do it place. right online, so right, you know you don't right. even have to contact HR, just log in, and you can uh, get it done. Yeah, good point. I didn't even think it's been so long since I worked for a, uh, a corporation of size, you know, you know, a bigger corporation. That's true. A lot of that stuff is probably done online. Good good tip. So those would have to be done. Um, how about things like uh, if I am going to, to do my own taxes or I'm going to pay a CPA to do it, uh, could I prepay some of those ahead of time that says, uh, you know, I'm going to contact the Ascension Group and they're going to do my taxes where uh, I, in essence, uh, you know, signed a contract and they'd go ahead and bill me for that? Would that be another option that might help? Right. There are a number of things that you can do in terms of prepaying. You can uh, prepay property taxes that may be due in January. Okay, good one as well as prepaying mortgage, your mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. That is another opportunity. And um, although it's, it depends on your situation, again, we're not looking for our, our clients to uh, enter in new transactions just to be able to get a tax deduction if it doesn't make sense overall. Right. But there right. are some right. people, because we still are in very low, uh, in, in a very low interest rate environment, um, they are going through the refinance process. So depending on if that's something that closes by um, year end, that, um, you know, those closing costs would be something that is deductible for you as well as going forward, you would have uh, mortgage interest that you're, a you're able to uh, deduct as well. So 
Okay. And oh, if and you state, go ahead. I was going to just because you're in here in you know a fairly hefty um, state tax, uh, and, and ours is not quite as bad here in Arizona. But uh, state pay, prepaying state taxes, I guess state you could taxes. do some of that as well, doing a, a larger estimated uh, state tax payment, right? Right, and when that you say paid. state taxes, it makes me miss my time of living in Houston where there was no <laughs> <laughs> state income tax. <laughs> well, exactly, and that's why, you know, and still, some people, and I think your, your point's a good one, because uh, now in the federal, I guess, that you can give your, use your state tax as a deduction or your sales tax, not both. Uh, so those Depending folks on where you are. First. Exactly, you would use the, the, the sales tax. So, But again, your, your point's well said. If there is some major purpose that the purchase needs to be made and you're going to have sales tax, and you're, you're dedu- like you're in Houston, you're, you're deducting your sales tax, so then you'd want to make it. But you don't want to go buy a car just for the sales tax deduction if you don't need a car. <laughs> so right. uh, I think that's, that's an important point I wanted to emphasize. But this state tax or sales tax is something that's, uh, I think, fairly recent. I only remember that for the last few years. It was kind of like... Uh, the sales tax was almost never there, and now it seems to be either or. Uh, so those are, uh, are definitely right. I think that's maybe from 2006 or seven. It's been it's there's been a number of years because that's something when I was in Texas um, that was something that I would use versus you know because there was no state income tax. So it's been around for some time. All right. Well, time flies. <laughs> That's all I can it does. Say. And I interrupted you. Were, you were adding one other point. My apologies. I, I interrupted that because I'm writing no, these things down as we're going. that's we're conversation. So that's that's good. I enjoy that. Now, although we all were right. talking about uh, personal returns, you know, we can't. We know that there are a number of individuals who are small business owners, and maybe maybe uh, they have a solo practice, so it's just them. So while we talked about not going out and buying a car at the end of the year just for the deduction, there is something called um, a Section 179 deduction for small business owners that you can actually deduct the cost of some of your equipment and other machinery that you might have um, for the year. So that is another good opportunity. And I, I believe now it even includes you know, software uh, that you might get for a new computer. So those are, you know, if you have to buy equipment, look at, especially now that we're in the holiday season, there may be some very good uh, deals out there that you don't want to miss. So there's an opportunity to get some much-needed equipment or or supplies and then to be able to uh, get those deductions. All right, let's hold let's hold the company ones of for a little bit, uh, I want to kind of finish up the personal, because you, you touched on one thing that's important. I want to cover, make sure we cover that again. Uh, but one other that came to mind as we were talking about the IRA piece was uh, HSAs. For those people that do have a health savings account, they have a large deductible uh, um, health policy, happen to be one of those, uh, make sure you get your HSA contribution within the limit. And here, I don't know if you know off the top of head, I don't, whether that limit is, or that uh, the deadline is end of the year or if you actually can pay it by. Uh, by April, as with uh, with IRAs, but uh, you'd want to make sure that's in as well. That would be another good deduction to uh, maybe even add a little bit up to the limit. Right, that is another opportunity to uh, to offset as well. So that's that's a good one. And although this is not a deduction, but it's something that you want to be sure of. And we were talking about individuals who mm-hmm. are receiving Social Security. Yes. So for individuals who may have required minimum distributions. You mm-hmm. definitely want to make sure that you take those, get those in prior to December 31st because if you don't, there is a 50% penalty for what you did not take out that was required. So I, we have a number of, uh, of our 
retired clients who may miss that. And so that's something you definitely want to, again, the earlier you do it in the year, the better, but just certainly you don't want to let December 31st go by and you did not take that required minimum distribution. Well said, well said. Now, you you touched on uh, there are a few that, uh, like IRA contributions, I can do after December 31st that um, uh, can help me as well. So IRA contributions is one. I don't, for some reason, I think HSA can be delayed. I always try to get mine done by year end because I never feel like going to check it. Uh, Any others that come to mind that you can actually do after December 31st? I mean, the vast majority, I think we we, we touched on uh, are before. Any, Any others that come to mind? Well, although it's not deductible, Roth IRA mm-hmm. contributions you can do after um, right. December 31st, okay. as well as if you have uh, what they call the education IRAs or the Coverdale IRA accounts, those can be done after December 31st. Okay. All right. So that basically it's in the IRA category where we can do them after, and, and possibly, again, that's something – Folks who check on the HSA whether it has to be done before or not, yeah. but that is that's you know those those can be significant. And so I assume if you're using a uh, whatever the company equivalent is FSA FSA or whatever it is for uh, these flexible savings accounts. So I guess the same thing as we would talked about with the 401k or 403b, uh, you would need to work with your. Um, employer to get that done, and I'm sure that has to be done by year-end. So if you wanted to throw an extra 1000 into that flexible savings account and, and get some deduction for it, then you'd have to uh, get that done by year-end as well. So Now, just as a caveat, you need to be careful with that, particularly on the FS, on the flexible spending, because that you have to use that by the end of the year or you ah. lose it. Now, there have been some ah. changes where some companies will allow you until the new year to do it, but you need to make sure that your company does that. Uh, you know, has that provision. Sometimes you can roll over, but that's a fairly new um, piece that's available. So you want to be very careful. You don't want to, you know, put something in and then you can't, uh, you know, you're left with not being able to use those funds. So be careful with the flexible spending. But that's where it differs from the HSA. Yeah, because the HSA is very flexible. You can kind of roll that forward and eventually turn it into, uh, you know, roll it into your IRA. So it really is a neat plan. Okay. Right. I don't want you to have to run out to the drugstore and get, you know, $1,000 worth of Band-Aids and <laughs> over-the-counter <laughs> Right, right, right. No, those don't. Those don't. No, no. Yeah, those don't work. But uh, you know, uh, time is flying. So I better uh, remind our listeners, especially those that just tuned in. You're listening to the Wealth DNA Radio Show. I'm your host, Ron Naraki. You can listen to the earlier portion of the archive, and I certainly encourage you to. And if you've listened for the last few minutes, you probably realize we're having some fun discussing some some very very important, timely topics. And you also can find the prior show on our shows on our archives, and that's WealthDNA.us. Our guest today is Jocelyn Wright. She's an MBA, CFP and Director of the Center for uh, Women and Financial Services at the American College of Financial Services. In, in the past, this is an important one. This is like the biggie in her in her uh, resume. She hosted a weekly radio show called The Bottom Line. How appropriate for our topic, year-end tax planning. And if you just tuned in, you'll want to go back to the beginning of the show soon after we finish, the same link will take you there. See, our producers make it pretty easy for you. The link that took you here for the live show will also take you to the archive. Now, uh, Jocelyn, let's go back to the, our, our personal situation uh, for a little bit more here. And let me reverse it. Let me say that, uh, let's say I'm having a year where my uh, liability is not rising. 
and instead I'm going to have some low income. And you, 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 you already touched on one thing, an important one I jotted for myself, which is let's say somebody lost their job or I lost my job um, or that I uh, started a new business and I've got lots of initial expenses but very little or maybe no income. Uh, what do I do uh, in, in that case to, to pump up my income this year or in essence reverse the process? I want to take some of next year's uh, income and transfer it into this one. What are, what are some thoughts of what we can do to help the person uh, pay a little bit more taxes uh, in, in, in this year versus a lot more in future years? An opportunity, uh, certainly if you have uh, an IRA, from mm -hmm. a previous employer, uh, mm -hmm. if you think that, that that might be a good planning opportunity where you might be able to do what's called a Roth conversion. So okay. you can Very take some of that income and pay the taxes on it now, um, mm -hmm. take that as income, and then, of course, you would convert that portion to a Roth. So then as hopefully that it continues to grow over time, once you're, you begin taking uh, the income, you don't have to pay taxes on that. Um, in the future. So that's a planning opportunity. But of course, we have to make sure that we're in a position that, you know, we are able to pay whatever the taxes do on the amount that we convert. So you can convert just a small portion, you don't have to do your entire balance. But that's always a good uh, planning opportunity uh, for clients where it makes sense. Oh, it's, it's, it's a big end. And you know what? That reminded me of something we kind of left out when we talked about decreasing our tax liability. You did touch on the RMDs, and that, that should have triggered my thinking. Uh, somebody that is getting Social Security, every decrease they do in their income that we talked about, a lot or the most of them we talked about in terms of decreasing their uh, taxable income will also uh, have an effect on the, how much they pay on their Social Security. So it's kind of a double cost saving, if you will, by making sure that you get all of those things straightened out. Because otherwise, uh, you're, you're in essence, the more you earn, the more you pay on uh, the amount that you got, got from Social Security. So it's kind of like a double tax, and I, I view it very much that way. It really is a higher marginal tax rate because of of um, of the um, um, getting Social Security. So that would be another one. So anything you can do to keep your uh, tax bill down uh, can be, uh, you know, contribute to keeping your uh, taxes on the uh, Social Security down too. So uh, it's kind of a double double benefit. Right, uh, yeah. You touched on one, though, an interesting thought. So if somebody is going through that job search and their income is lower as a result because obviously they weren't earning during some number of months, and you mentioned, uh, for example, some of the job search expenses might deductible, and it sounds like they would be. So now they're looking at potentially a 0% tax rate and not getting any benefit for those costs if they don't do some of the things we're talking about here, like the IRA conversion, and that's the biggie. I highly, highly recommend doing an IRA conversion anytime your tax rate is low, and I don't mean by low even into the you know 15%, maybe even 25%. So the IRA conversion is a big one. But that, that kind of triggers another thought. How about an inherited IRA? If somebody has an inherited IRA, I assume they would want to take more than their required minimum distribution in that particular year as well. You need, and yes, and, and with an inherited IRA, particularly if there are some provisions, if it's not inherited from your spouse. So there are certain things right, right, that you point, need to be point. mindful of in terms of the time limit. So you might not, mm -hmm. you don't have as long as you weren't, didn't inherit the assets from your spouse. So right, that right. is another good opportunity uh, to, and, and I think your point is good where you're saying, you know, 
of course, we want to pay as few taxes as possible. However, you know, we should certainly take advantage of those opportunities when our income may be low, where we can, you know, do some other, uh, in many cases, not necessarily sophisticated, but just some other planning that we can do uh, to help us in the future. So I, you know, definitely, but you pointing that out is certainly a good thing um, that it's important for the listeners to hear that. Okay, and um, another thought to kind of on on that you, again you triggered earlier, which is if somebody is taking a required minimum, same same situation if they're taking required minimum distributions on their uh, um, IRA and they have a lower year for whatever reason, maybe because some of their other investments aren't uh, doing as well, that might be a time to take a larger take amount. Yeah, so a required yeah. RMD does not mean that's the amount you take out. It's the minimum you can take out. So if you're required to take 3.8%, maybe you take 6 or 7 or even 10% that year, which is minimizes how much you'll take in those future years. So somebody doing RMDs, whether they're inherited or otherwise, uh, has a little bit more tax planning opportunity rather than viewing it as a pain in the neck. Very good. No, that's important to, to point out, too. And and one other thing that I wanted to make known, just because I know we're mm-hmm. getting close to the top of the hour, but just to, to be clear, this, these oh. are uh, some things that have changed uh, in terms of the tax laws that I want to make sure that we uh, talk to our listeners about, and one okay. being with the um, the health the healthcare law yes. with the H. Um, the Affordable Care Act, uh, right. we know that last year was the first year where you were imposed a penalty if you did not have coverage. And mm-hmm. so for 2015, that penalty has gone up substantially from $95 per person up to $325 per person. So again, we're in the time frame where we're in that open enrollment window. We don't want to have our clients you know, have to pay this penalty unnecessarily. So, you know, regardless of what your feelings are about the law, it is, in fact, the law. So we need to make sure that we don't want to give money away and have to cut a check to the government for no reason. So, you know, that's something that I definitely wanted to point out. Um, Another thing in terms of just the the tax filing, so for Uh 2008, 16, we're going to um, have a little bit of an extension. We have a few extra days to file. So as opposed to having to file our taxes on April 15th because Mm -hmm. of Emancipation Day in D.C., we actually have until April 18th to file. And for those taxpayers who are in uh, the New England states, they celebrate Patriots Day, so they actually have an additional day, so they have until April 19th to file. So, again, don't wait until the last minute, but just know that you have a few days cushion in there uh, to get all of your your uh, documents together. And then, if need be, certainly mm-hmm. file that extension. And remember, it's just an extension to file. It's not an extension to pay. So you still want to make sure that you have um, – you know, paid the proper amount that's due by that deadline. And, again, that's something where where I've learned over the years the hard way, that it is just an extension to file, not to pay. <laughs> yeah, and so when I do my extension, I assume that doesn't give me till October 18th to uh, to get it done. That's still October 15th, right? Yes. <laughs> I just hate to hate to pick on myself here on that so much. Well, one of the, you know another thought came to mind. Those are great great points. I I totally uh, you know overlook those. And uh, the other is with your if your taxes lower and you're in the habit, which is an excellent one of putting money into uh, you know an IRA. It's probably too late to adjust your 401k, but it might be time to put it into a Roth IRA instead of into an IRA because you don't need the deduction. 
if you're paying a 0% tax rate, putting it into your, your uh, IRA is going to cost you money in the long term. Put it in a Roth IRA. So, uh, again, you've got to kind of reverse your thinking. And, and I think you said it well, Jocelyn. What's really important is when you are in this low tax rate, don't celebrate. Do some planning. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, that's, that's the best time to take advantage of that low tax rate. Right, and I'm certainly, you know, it's not everyone is going to use a, an advisor or, you know, work with right. someone to do their taxes, but I am certainly uh, an advocate of working with a professional who can help you in these areas because if you're not knowledgeable, you may miss these opportunities. And there have been a number of uh, individuals who, you know, may have been unemployed or underemployed for some period of time and have not taken advantage of these wonderful opportunities that are available to them and it's not you can't necessarily go back uh, you know years later and say oh I forgot or I didn't know and try to you know take advantage of it so you know by having someone who can give you some guidance uh, is is certainly worth um, certainly worth it in, in my opinion well, I, I agree. I mean, even in our conversation, I'd consider myself re reasonably well-versed on the taxes, but you brought up a number of points that I just flat-out would not have thought of uh, just because we can't you know, possibly think of everything. But as you're working through a client situation and get the chance to you know, you deal with this stuff on a regular basis and deal with it, it, it is important. And, and, and tuning into these kinds of shows and, and listening and reading, and you know, these are all important things. Uh, one more on the personal tax situation that I don't want to overlook because you, it's such a biggie in terms of creating this extra tax when you have a low tax rate is the IRA conversion. Uh, and I have to know that one is also uh, reversible. You get a mulligan, I guess the golfers would call it. I'm not a golfer. Uh, <laughs> on that, uh, are there some that are reversible? So if I do uh, find that my tax situation is different than I estimated, are there some things I can do in 2016 to, to reverse some of the management things I did in 2015? Uh, and, and, and that one, of course, I'll, I'll go ahead and share while I mention it, is that IRA conversion you did, I can move some of that back. I guess it's called, a, they make up these terms in the IRS, called a recharacterization. So that's definitely one that's reversible. If you move too much, you can move it back again. Right. And that, you know, again, because you've done some additional planning, you have more information in the new year than you had, you know, at the end of December, you may say, you know what, it makes sense for me to recharacterize some of this. And so that's a mm -hmm. great, you know, kind of uh, get out of the jail free card, for lack of a better term, to say that you can, you know, recharacterize some of those assets that you converted to the Roth. Okay. And uh, any others that come to mind because I'm not I'm not familiar with too many others where they're reversible and there may be some that again I'm not I'm not uh, uh familiar with in terms of if I paid in too much taxes or something obviously I'll get it back on my tax return so file early but if uh, I didn't uh you know, if I overdid it, especially in this low tax rate thing where I thought, you know, I was going to have a 0% tax rate and all of a sudden it jumped to 25% because I overdid my, my conversions, that one's reversible. Any other thoughts on what might be reversible? Now, that is the main one. Um, okay. I'm trying to think, there, and I don't want to term for this one, but mm -hmm. I know that the IRA, the Roth IRA recharacterization is um, the the most popular when we're talking about what might be reversible. Okay. So That's fine. And, and and with that, one of the things I learned the hard way is it actually is reversible until the moment you file your tax, not April 15th or 18th or 19th, uh, but the moment of filing. So if you did a legal, you know, legitimate extension, you really did extend, you've got till October 15th 
to recharacterize. And guess how I know? Uh, because I didn't realize that. I assumed uh, that's always a bad idea. We only got a few minutes left. Let me Experience ask you. Experience is a good teacher. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it's just a, it's just an expensive teacher. Uh, yes. We can't cover the whole tax code. We obviously liked it. We talked a little bit about companies, and you mentioned a good one, which is on the uh, the 179. But one of the things I thought would be helpful is people think of company types as LLCs or partnerships or or uh, corporations and um that is not how the IRS views them. Can you give us an idea when you when you think of uh, your your clients and what companies or businesses they run, how you look at it, or how a tax man would look at, tax person would look at it? Um, you know what what is a company and types of companies from a tax viewpoint? Sure. Well, there are a number of different uh, entity types that are mm-hmm. available, and so it's always good when most people think of businesses a lot for for a small business owner standpoint, most of them are operating, I won't say most of them, a good number may be operating just as a sole proprietor. And mm-hmm. so they may just have uh, a DBA, which means doing business as, that they operate under versus their own individual names. But mm-hmm. there is um, the partnership entity, so where there are at least two individuals that may have uh, formed a partnership and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, 50-50. One may have a, a greater share in the company than the other. Um, and then there are LLCs. Mm-hmm. And so you can have a single-member LLC as well as partnerships in the LLC. Um, so, you know, it just you need to talk to whether it's a, a tax attorney or uh, an accountant CPA that can help you determine what is the best structure for the type of business that you have. Um, in addition to the, the three that I mentioned, there are also mm-hmm. – C-corporations and S-corporations. So there are a number of different options that one would have when they are creating their business. It's just a matter of, one, I look at it from, you know, uh, a client may say, I'm looking to go into this type of service business and, you know, find out if it's something, uh, liability is always a concern for me. Correct. Correct. So, you know, some, as a sole proprietor, you are fully exposed on a business side as well as a personal side. So some of the other business structures will limit some of that liability that you have. And depending on the type of business you're in, that's very important because we don't want to do a good job of, you know, growing our assets and our wealth from, you know, uh, your 401k or your retirement accounts and different things like that or other investment accounts. And then you have some situation in your business that then leaves you exposed where, you know, through some sort of legal action or lawsuit, someone may be able, you might have to pay out uh, some of those assets to cover uh, a liability that you would have. Okay. And I guess the key point I, I'd want to stress in that, it, the majority of those when we're filing our taxes allow us to take, uh, you know, the, the tax impacts from that company on our own personal return. So it right, gets to be back able to, to offset of, some of the, the exactly. income you were able to deduct, to deduct those expenses. And that's very important, too, because, again, we only want to pay uh, what we have to, nothing more. And so with businesses, as long as you are um, a, a viable business, so, you, you know, there Correct. are some people who will just start well, a business for the sake of, oh, I just, you know, I can deduct these expenses, but you're really not in it to really mm-hmm. generate well revenue. Said, yeah. And so after some point, the IRS is going to say, well, hey, you know, you have a number of years where you have uh, these losses, but, you know, 
are you really in the business to generate income? So you have to be mindful of that. Um, And, you know, it's a great opportunity, and I'm certainly an advocate of entrepreneurship and starting businesses. So uh, Mm -hmm. as long as that's something that makes sense for you, I certainly support my clients in uh, starting businesses and certainly doing it the right way, where it it makes sense and, um, you know, they're able to make sure that they're organized with uh, their planning, all of their documentation, and that they're getting all of the – taking all of the deductions that they're eligible for from a business standpoint. And I guess that that raises the point. Like the Section 179 you mentioned, businesses have more chances to tax manage than individuals. And that's why uh, I think it was well said in Kiyosaki and Lecter's book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, originally, everybody should have a personal company for some of their investment and or business activities, uh, as long as you need a good, good, good forewarning. It's not just a hobby. So uh, very well said. Right. Um, I'm glad to see more uh, schools, colleges, and universities who are promoting entrepreneurship for, uh, for the yeah. student, because I think that's a wonderful thing, and we know that entrepreneurship drives our economy. Uh, an amen to that one. Uh, let's go. Let's go back to make sure that people know how to reach you. Let's get that email address out, if uh, if you don't mind, uh, at the American College. It is Jocelyn dot right at the American College dot edu. Edu. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And on the um, uh, and of course the website of course is the American uh, College. Uh, so same same website for there. But on the on the flip side, you also uh, run the um, the company. That company's uh, website was uh, AscensionWealth.com. Correct. Correct. Yes. AscensionWealth.com. Okay, we've covered a lot of aspects, and, and, and uh, so far Pete hasn't yelled at me, so I'm going to I'll do my summary after after we <laughs> we officially are supposed to close here. Uh, year-end tax planning we've covered, I think, pretty well. I mean, it's been fun. I, I've written a number of points, and, and since I'm doing a, a session focused on real estate investors um, tomorrow, uh, I picked up some ideas that I want to mention as well. I enjoyed doing this, but are there some key aspects uh, that we either didn't cover or that you want to emphasize for our listeners? But sometimes it gets lost in the in the uh, you know the various topics. One thing that uh, we didn't cover is uh, being able to offset some of your losses with your investments. So that's another important thing. Uh, So if you are, as you mentioned Uh, at the top of the show, that, uh, you know, the the market is down. um, So, you know, some of our uh, clients may have some losses that we want to uh, take advantage of. So now would be a great opportunity prior to the end of the year to do that. Um, And, you know, working with your your tax advisor or your planner, you can get that done before the end of the year. And uh, for people who are also looking to uh, potentially make some investments, you would also want to be mindful of um, companies who may be issuing dividends now. So if you're purchasing now, you may find yourself in that position where you're paying taxes on dividends that you actually did not participate in and receive. So you might want to look at holding off until uh, the new year should do that. So those are just you know a few uh, investment points uh, that ha- can have an impact on our overall tax bill. Yeah, or for that matter, you might want to sell some of those mutual funds that uh, we'll be paying out uh, in the next two weeks so that you avoid getting uh, incurring that uh, capital gain or, or, or dividend. So very, very good point. I'll add one because this is so important. 
is that, uh, as you said, uh, harvesting uh, this popular term for some using up some of those tax losses and, and offsetting some of your uh, your gains and therefore lowering your tax return. Very, very important one. I, I don't know. I missed that one. But don't wait till December 31st. That one's got to be, I just looked at the calendar, it would have to be December right. 28th because you have the three days it's before settled. that uh, closes out the, you know, so the T plus three. So I would make sure that you try to get them done if you can by um, – Boy, by the, the 24th, of the 24th really. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the morning of the 24th. I think it's a mm-hmm. half-day uh, trading day. So that one uh, we should add at the top at the top of the art. My apologies, but well, well said. I really appreciate that, Jocelyn. I've really had fun with this, and I'm hoping you'll you'll be willing to come back, and maybe we'll even uh, have you back to talk about the tax planning earlier in the year so that we can uh, not focus on this past year but talk about how we should be looking at uh, you know the, the coming year and future years, especially into retirement as part of our tax planning. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, really, really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us, Jocelyn. Well, I think we covered about as much as we possibly could in, in any two-hour seminar, and I think we did it in less than an hour or just about an hour, so um, I think we need to pat ourselves on the back. But on the other hand, I'd like to add one more segment, very brief, on state taxes in this summary. And we, you know, we touched on the fact that there are huge differences between states, and it's, it, we hardly could try to do a show on every single state or we'd use up uh, you know, a couple of years of our time here, the, or of our shows. But Let me use Arizona as an example, and I don't know how many states have similar, but it will make my point. Um, In Arizona, I just happen to know because I'm obviously here. Uh, There are similar programs in other states. There are other programs that offer these kinds of uh, of benefits, and yet very, very, very few taxpayers, and I use the term very um, emphatically. Uh, I actually did a seminar very recently for a small group. Um, let's say it was you know, 15, 20 people on the topic of this Arizona tax credit I'll share with you, uh, which is a charitable and school deduction that you get an actual tax credit. And they did horribly. I'll actually share the statistics with you. Uh, first, uh, in before I even touch on the specifics there, I want to make sure you fully appreciate the difference. And, and we didn't talk about this. We made the assumption that you know the difference between a, da- a deduction and a tax credit. And with federal or, or, or your national taxes, it's a big factor. But with state taxes, it's huge difference. Why do I say that? In Arizona, a typical tax rate, marginal tax rate, would be around 3%. And it ranges anywhere from, of course, zero up to about 45 almost 5%. And so a $100 tax deduction is worth 3 bucks, since it saves you, that $100 saves you $3 in taxes as a deduction. Now compare that to a $100 tax credit. It's worth $100, since that $100 saves you in $100 in actual taxes. So in Arizona, again, this average or typical uh, taxpayer, it's worth 30 times as much as a deduction. 30 times as much as a deduction. So is there a difference between a credit and a deduction? Well, in the case of Arizona, it's typically 30 times, and that ranges anywhere from about 20 times to 60 times the difference, uh, depending on your marginal tax rate. So important point, make sure, and, and, and we probably should have covered it earlier, but I know our listeners know the difference, but on your state taxes, it's huge. Secondly, uh, what the Arizona taxpayers don't seem to know, and again, this group was a good example, I actually offered a million-dollar prize to whoever got either one of these uh, correct, and my money was safe. Uh, the, the, the first question was, 
how many different non-refundable tax credits does Arizona have? And of course, most people assume one, two, or three that they'd heard about in various charities uh, pitching for, for dollars. The answer is 31 different non-refundable tax credits. People's jaws dropped, and of course, my money was safe. And by the way, they are non-refundable, so they won't get your money back uh, that you paid extra, but it will roll forward for up to five years. And so far, Pete, you're still not yelling at me, so I guess that's that's good news. Give me two more minutes here. Uh, uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, what's Oh, my second question was, what's the maximum that you can use in tax credits that toward this this uh, these these uh, you know various 31 credits? What's the maximum you can use in, in a given year? And uh, the answer, of course, any of two answers, uh, if you're single, uh, the uh, maximum is 1,853, and as a married couple, 3,706, which means 98% of Arizona's taxpayers, if they take advantage of these credits, can give their money to qualified schools and charities and pay no money in Arizona. I am one of those people that did that. Um, my, my tax liability was under it. Now, using the name of Jocelyn's former radio show, The Bottom Line, is that you don't know the details, if you don't know the details, of what and how much can be deducted on your national and state taxes or local taxes. You're probably paying more than you need to pay. Knowledge is really power here. And remember what I said at the beginning of the show, paying taxes is good means you're making money, but paying more than necessary is not good. It's not what you earn. It's what you get to keep. So get to know the things. And this is why this this type of show is so important. If you don't know and you're not aware of these things, you're just not going to think of them. I mean, you can't hand your stuff to the CPA and assume they're going to know some of the things you didn't tell them. So uh, do get to know the, the tax laws. And the more you talk to professionals, the more you listen to these kinds of shows, the more you read on the topic, the more you attend these kinds of seminars that we're talking about also helps. Now, regular listeners know that our objective on the Wealth TNA Radio Show is to share the fundamentals of investing, provide great ideas for building and protecting your wealth, and we occasionally share some insights into ways you can keep more of what you earn today, being a good example. Our mission is to help you and one million other people become millionaires. It's much easier for someone to be in that group if they're aware of all the tax-saving tools available. That was our mission today. If you missed part of today's show, you want to recommend it to some friends. The link in the announcement take you to the archive version. And, of course, you can find the full list of past shows on our archive, and that is wealthdna.us. I'd like to thank our sponsor today, BI Solutions Corp., Residential Real Estate Fund in the Phoenix, Scottsdale area, for helping us put together the show. They also help their investors reduce taxes. Next Wealth DNA Radio Show will be the fourth Monday of December. We'll be wrapping up the year. It's Monday, December 28th, 9 a.m. Arizona time, same place, same time. We'll do a summary of the year, summarizing some of the key learning, some of the uh, shows we've had this past year, and also some of the fundamentals and reading for our newer listeners. The full lineup of guests and topics is, as I mentioned, on our uh, webpage, wealthdna.us. You'll find the archive of past shows there, too. If you've got some comments or questions about the show or other shows, you haven't received my emails about reminding about the show, just send an email to ron at wealthdna.us or, or follow The Ronald, all one word, on Facebook or Twitter. We'll keep you posted about future shows and events. Happy investing and making changes in the next few weeks to manage your taxes. You've been listening to Wealth DNA with Ron Naraki on Arizona Boomer Radio. 
Arizona Boomer Radio is produced by the Boomer and the Babe Incorporated and can be heard Monday through Friday. You can sign up for their online magazine at boomerandthebabe.com. To reach the Boomer and the Babe, email host at boomerandthebabe.com or friend them on facebook.com slash boomerandbabe. And on Blog Talk, you can friend them at blogtalkradio.com slash boomerandbabe. Follow their tweets at twitter.com slash boomerandbabe. Be sure to make the second half of your life the best half of your life. And remember, at 50, you're just getting started. <laughs>